Yeah, look, at the end of the day, we are in a very dangerous situation as far as financial markets go right now. We are on the brink of things absolutely seizing up. And it doesn't seem like Jerome is is backing down. I think he plays a horrible game of poker myself. But at this point, it seems like he's hell-bent on trying to contain inflation. I think the long-run outcome is, as Luke Groman beautifully points out, they're going to have to back down. And if they do, it's quantitative easing forever. QE infinity, okay? And if it's QE infinity, it's Bitcoin. That being said, it doesn't matter because all paths lead to Bitcoin. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Hey folks, thank you for joining us here again. We greatly appreciate it. This was a very insightful chat with Dasbia and Greg Foss. We primarily focus on a new project the two of them have been working on, along with some other prolific Bitcoiners. The project is Looking Glass Education. Dasbia is an Aussie electrician, or Sparky as they're called down under. Daz has been a prolific writer in the space, covering everything from the mechanics of how Bitcoin mining works to the details of the bond market. Daz is a man of many talents, and he continues to lean into them and educate. We will link to Daz's many incredible articles on Medium in the show notes. Greg Foss is a man that needs no introduction. He is incredibly passionate about educating and assisting regular folks about Bitcoin and investing. He spent 30 years in financial markets with a focus on trading high-yield credit. Greg is an ardent proponent of education. And Greg also hilariously joined us from the Detroit airport. So please excuse a little bit of background noise. The focus of our chat is Looking Glass Education. Looking Glass is an all-in-one educational platform built with the intention of empowering individuals to take control of their financial futures. Their focus is on building and showcasing timeless educational content that is easy to read and free from financial jargon. They offer multiple educational mediums, audio, video, and long-form articles. Their ultimate goal is highlighting the potential of Bitcoin while removing the complexity shrouding our monetary and economic systems. Dan and myself, Josh, have taken the first course offering at Looking Glass. We are impressed with what they're creating, and we encourage you to go check it out. You won't be disappointed. In this episode, we cover Foss's investment strategy, of course, bond math, shitting the bed, Bitcoin miners and equity plays, rebalancing your portfolio, Bitcoin night terrors, nipple rings, index versus active investing, credit market shit hit the fan indicators, and bonds and equities falling in tandem which is very unusual. If you like the show, please like or subscribe and leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you use. You can follow us on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC or send us an email at blue collar Bitcoin podcast at Gmail. Blue collar Bitcoin is proudly sponsored by CoinKite, creator of the cold card, the block clock and the open dime. Dan and I have been cold card users and recommended it to friends and family for years. If you are serious about protecting your cold stored Bitcoin, we highly recommend using a cold card. They have recently updated the cold card to a new Mark IV version. This update includes the ability to use near field communication. No more shuffling SD cards back and forth to sign a transaction. Whether you are new to the idea of cold storage 
and want a simple, easy solution, or you're an old salty dog who wants to create a bulletproof multi-sig setup, the Cold Card Mark IV is the ideal signing device. If you're in the market for buying some sweet Bitcoin swag, you could not do better than grabbing a black clock. This is a gorgeous device that sits on a shelf or mounts on a wall and displays the price of Bitcoin, along with probably about 100 other metrics of your choosing. It's sleek, elegant, and a must-have for any proper Bitcoin shrine. If you decide to purchase a cold card, don't forget to use our discount code BCB for 5% off. Blue Collar Bitcoin is also sponsored by Ledin. Ledin is a very unique financial services company with a highly principled Bitcoin-forward perspective. They are the first ever digital asset lending platform to undergo a formal proof of reserves attestation, where an independent public accountant regularly attests that the company is properly accounting for client assets. Simply put, this company mirrors and embraces the transparency, accountability, and auditability of the Bitcoin protocol and network itself. If you've listened to this show much at all, you've certainly noticed that we advise our listeners to be careful, manage risk, and not get over-leveraged. And that does include ensuring that any borrowing and lending decisions you make make sound mathematical sense for your lifestyle and specific situation. Where available in your jurisdiction, Ledin offers a menu of powerful financial services. Keep ownership of your Bitcoin and access dollar loans with Ledin Bitcoin-backed loans. Harness your Bitcoin holdings to buy a new property or finance the home you already own with the upcoming Ledin Bitcoin mortgage product. Save Bitcoin and USDC to have access to Ledin dollar loans or trading services, if available. You can look into Ledin's well-architected menu of services at ledin.io. You can receive a 10 USDC sign-up bonus for creating and funding an account by going to start.ledin.io slash bitcoin. Enjoy the show. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Greg, Daz, you are both in the honorable and acclaimed fraternity of individuals who have been privileged enough to be guests on this show multiple times. Uh, thank you for joining us, gents. Thanks for having us, boys. Looks, uh, yeah, looking forward to the chat today. Yeah, thanks. As uh, are we from lovely Detroit Airport. Happy, happy to join you guys. You know, Greg, uh, we sent out that we, you know, we obviously just record audio. We don't produce video. Um, I wasn't expecting the nipple rings, but they look really good on you. Like, yeah. I mean, I think these are my, these are my big, uh, my big tits, my big, uh, man boobs <laughs> that, uh, that Bitcoin Twitter so obviously pointed out that I need a bra, a bra, what do they call it again? A man's ear, right? A man's ear. Yeah, from, yeah. Uh, Bitcoin Twitter's heartless straight out of dodgeball. Like the, uh, what was the name of the team? <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but they, years. they were in leather. I know that it was, it was an unflattering photo that was taken during Bitcoin 2021. And I, I, I literally said, look, I need a man's ear. And one guy goes, this guy has tits bigger than my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Good thing that skin is thick, huh, Greg? Um, Bitcoin Twitter is a merciless been, cesspool. I have been called way worse. Whoever did that to you, you should dox them. You should pursue them to the ends of the earth. And you should ruin their life. No, man. I was uh, Truth hurts, right? <laughs> truth hurts. I'm okay with it. I'm fat. What can I do? <laughs> 
Hey, uh, if you haven't realized, we have, I mean, the four of us are clowns. So you might as well just flick this thing off. Go to, what is it? Lookingglasseducation.com um, and just forget listening to us and go sign up for some robust Bitcoin macro finance education material. In all seriousness, so you two, have, for those that don't know in our audience, Daz and Greg have collaborated with a number of other individuals on this educational platform and Without buttering your muffins too thoroughly here, it's phenomenal. Josh and I both agree. Extremely yeah, well done. I concur 100%. Finished the first introductory course, thought it was stellar. It is a superb introductory for somebody who's maybe coming at this from having no knowledge at all. It's a great step-by-step, walk you through the door, introduce you to you know all of the friendly people involved, and get you on board with understanding why this matters and get you 100% up to speed. It's it's incredible. Bitcoin and beyond. Talk to us about the origins, gentlemen. What is Looking Glass? How did it start? Appreciate the uh, the kind words, boys, and the feedback. And uh, yeah, so I guess where, where it sort of started was um, a surgeon by the name of Jason Sansoni reached out to Foss one day and said, Foss, I can't understand half of what you say when you go on these pods. We need a, 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 a dictionary and a thesaurus combined just on on, on bond, you know, bond talk. Uh, and it'd be a great idea if we put something together to try and decipher some of that. So from there, uh, I'd reached out to Foss for him to read an article I wrote on bonds just because I was mainly like, man, I'm an electrician. I don't know what I'm talking about here, but I was putting together some some of the pieces that I'd, you know, the, the journey I'd sort of gone through to share with my friends and family. And I reached out to Foss and said, mate, can you just run your eyes over this? And for anyone who's dealt with Greg, you know he's just such a personable, approachable guy, and he took the time to do that um, for me. And it wasn't um, long after that he said, "You guys need to talk. You and Jason get together." And um, from there, it just sort of organically grew about from what we wanted to achieve, who we wanted to talk to, and it sort of evolved a little bit more outside of that bond bond speak kind of thing. It was like, you know what, we've really got uh, a, a target audience here of wage earners these are the people who need to realize the power that sort of you know what what bitcoin can do for for people for wage earners as far as the savings vehicle and so forth but we also were really cognizant of the fact that most people get scared off as soon as you start talking about bitcoin so it was kind of like how do we go about this without shoving bitcoin down people's throat but how do we also bring them along that sort of journey that most of us uh took along the way um, you know, in, in order for them to organically sort of come to that realization that, hey, Bitcoin does form part of an investable portfolio, you know. And so from there, um, uh, it was Jason and I, we started talking and then Pleb Music come along and he does some phenomenal stuff as far as media creation is concerned. He's involved with like Saifedean's pod and all that. And it was uh, just an organic growth from... Um, you know, people do Bitcoiners just want to chip in and help, you know. And from there, Seb Bunny uh, come into the fold uh, again. Uh, I think um, Greg read one of his magazine articles and said, "Oh, we need to, we need to talk," you know, kind of thing. And he come into the fold. Uh, and then around Christmas last year, James Lavish come into the fold as well. So obviously, we know Greg's background and James. For those um, not familiar with James's work, he just does phenomenal breakdown pieces of those complex financial themes in a newsletter uh, called The Informationist. Uh, highly recommend everyone go and subscribe. And he's kindly let us 
um, include that into our deep dive section of, of the of the platform. And uh, and then Dali has come into the fold just recently as well. So Dali is uh, involved directly with the educational space, um, more the broader Spanish-speaking community. She's involved in um, My First Bitcoin, which is a, a program uh, based in El Salvador, helping to educate and onboard people. So she's kindly come on board as well. She's going to help us translate the course into Spanish. Um, and then oh, yeah. along the way, we're sort of... Um, Looking at our offering, so uh, you guys alluded to the fact we've got one course out there at the moment uh, and we're working on others. So the first one's um, obviously just the foundational course about basic macro literacy. Uh, so some of these macro themes, uh, we talk about inflation, we, we introduce the evolution of money uh, and just try and bring people on that sort of natural journey about where Bitcoin fits into the space now we're working on a Bitcoin only course. So the first course was kind of you're coming along, you see where Bitcoin fits into the picture, and then the sort of natural evolution of that is okay. Now I've learned about Bitcoin, I'm I'm ready to buy it. What the hell is it? You know. So the next course is going to be all about the Bitcoin fundamentals, everything you need to know in order to be comfortable in the fact that you're going to make now the next move into an investable investable part of your portfolio. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about the fundamentals as well as we're going to break it down into two parts. First part being the fundamentals. What is it? How it works? Miners, nodes, you know. But again, trying to trying to give this, um, that getting really bogged down into all the technicals and all that sort of thing. Just try and strip all that back and make it accessible to most people, you know, because we, we're really appreciative of the fact that not everyone's got the time or energy not everyone's going to be as consumed in it like like we all mm-hmm. were when we went down the rabbit hole. So it's kind of yep. what can we leave? It's more about what do we leave in, or you know, and what can we take out more than more than anything, you know. So this is what you've accomplished on this platform. This is what I was thinking when I was going through the foundations course. Every dead serious Bitcoiner has confronted the same issue, and that's when you talk to friends, family, acquaintances. People have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Okay. You know what you're talking about. You've spent 500 to 1,000, 3,000 hours studying this, but nobody else has any fucking clue what you're talking about. And that's because starting with Bitcoin is nearly impossible for someone that doesn't have the financial and economic framework to understand where it fits in. And this is why this course is so wonderful and going to enter our Rolodex of intro material because it sets a baseline for monetary history economics, finance, and then at the end introduces the implication of Bitcoin. Doesn't jam it down your throat, but that is why this material is so important and useful. It's a useful tool in the Bitcoin proselytizing tool bag of the average pleb. Tool bag for sure. The uh, <laughs> When I read this thing, <clears throat> it actually it, it made me think that this is really, really comparable to a, a very succinct, very easy to read, very condensed version of Dalio's big debt crises, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, if I think if I was going to recommend one book, and even though that's a really tough tome for a lot of people to move through, that is like the synopsis of what is the baseline fundamental problem here and why, you know, how we're going to work way, our way through it or how is this probably going to unfold? That book does that, but that problem is, is the book is long, the book is dense, and the book is tough to get through for most normal people who don't maybe have the attention span for that. And what you've guys, you, what you guys have done is condensed that idea into some simple, easy to understand, bite-sized stuff in a couple-hour course. 
honestly, yeah. kudos, man. It was it was an incredible. Uh, I I thought it was incredible working through it. Anyone listening who has any trepidation about understanding this, maybe couldn't recommend enough to go there. It's a free course. Sign up, check it out, and uh, see what you think. Foss, let's loop you in here. Uh, you're basically just Bitcoin matchmaker, huh? That's kind of all was, you're doing. You just sit around and get people connected, and uh, that's that's I, uh, the name of the game. I, I love say, it. Thank you so much. It was like for speed that, dating yeah. at Bitcoin 2022, man. It was, uh, it was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Thank you so much for the the kind words about our platform. Um, and I can't say enough about the team. I might have made been a matchmaker, but one thing that that Daz left out. This is quite funny because Jason Sansoni. You know he's a surgeon. He's very uh, he's very type A plus plus, right? Has to understand everything. And I say, okay, well, look, maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about on podcasts. Here's my paper, my forty page paper, and I sent it to him, and he literally sent back, "Thanks." Now I understand even less, right? Like he uh, <laughs> he, read, he, read, he read the paper, and he goes, "I understand even less than what I, what, what I didn't understand before." So he and I collaborated on trying to bring a, a second version of that paper uh, where he inserted stuff that, uh, you know, he, he felt was necessary for the common person to, uh, to understand the, uh, the nomenclature I use. And, and to be fair, I did write that paper for Wall Streeters because that's my biggest right. thing is that there's so many people on Wall Street that don't understand Bitcoin. They do understand the nomenclature that I use, right? Uh, but they don't understand the mathematics and the reality that Bitcoin, as I see it, is actually default protection on sovereign debt and with no counterparty risk. I mean, we could go in into some of the beautiful components of Bitcoin from a Wall Street perspective, but to keep it at the highest levels, Jason rewrote, not rewrote my paper, but we collaborated on it. And it was the genesis of something beautiful that, that you guys have, uh, you know, thanks for the kind words. And the one thing I will say is there's a reason they don't teach this in high school, right guys? Because if mm. they did, no one would deposit their money in the banking system, right? If right. they honestly taught what we are saying, people would say, well, well, then why the heck do I hold, do I deposit my money in a commercial bank that regularly fails? And is only rescued by more Fed printing and socializing losses in the uh, in in the credit based system. So it's it's a great outcome. Um, I obviously you know hats off to Daz and Seb. Those guys are the real uh, the worker bees, but also the guys that are going to direct the uh, the platform to the next level, which includes being translated into Spanish and also into Portuguese because the island of Madeira has decided to embrace the platform as well. So these are some pretty exciting times. It was a vision of Jason's and certainly uh, these are the guys that have taken it to the next step. Greg, having read your paper myself, Dan has also read it and I think he'll resonate with this. I think I've got a pretty good handle on what's going on. The nomenclature you use is obviously you've been steeped in this for 30 years. Jason is an incredibly intelligent guy. I met him at Bitcoin 2022 as well. He's an orthopedic surgeon. We plan to go to his house and party and record an episode. The issue is going right. to be, can we record an episode <laughs> after the amount of partying that's going to transpire? Yeah. So <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is like not a guy who I would expect to have trouble understanding things at all. I mean, he's got his MD. He's not. We're, I don't think the three of the rest of us sitting here are boneheads. We're. This is just outside of our jurisdiction of expertise in some significant way. 
So what I'm saying to people out there listening to this is if you read Greg's paper and you understand it, good job. Like You're killing it. But most people are going to have a real serious problem digging down deep into the nomenclature, really, truly understanding it without you know referencing some, some very deep jargon uh, on the way down. It is, and again, that's the point of looking glasses to simplify this for everybody, but you're not an idiot if you have trouble understanding this stuff. This is yeah. just some very, very, this is just jargon that people in the industry have been, you know, that have been steeped in this for a long period of time. Yeah. And just walking in from the outside, you're going to have a problem. That's the point of like, you know, read some books, get on looking glass and get yourself educated in a more basic way and work your way up to understanding Greg's paper. Uh, you remember you guys are, are you old enough to remember the show mash? The, yeah. the, the, the comment, you remember Frank Burns when they introduced him as an MD, Frank Burns, MD, meaning medical doctor, but the boys would say, no, manic depressive. That's, uh, that's what, uh, <laughs> I think of Jason as being an MD, but he's just, he's absolutely so diligent in his, in his studies or whatever. He won't allow himself not to understand 100% of the, of the stuff. And that's impossible for somebody who hasn't spent 30 years in the pits or in walls in wall street, you know? So, um, this is good. Yeah. He's, he is such an important component of getting this off the ground, but the reality is, you know, this has been taken over by Seb and Daz, uh, and taken to the next level. So Jason was instrumental and, uh, and Seb and Seb and Daz have taken it to the next level. It probably um, oh, yeah. highlights a good, good, just a segue into the uh, other side of the um, the platform, really. So we've got the course, which is the core content, and it's more directed to those, you know, simplifying everything, breaking everything down into easily digestible information. And then, you know, for those of us who are who need to wet the whistle a little bit more, that's where the deep dives come into play. Where it's, you know, at the end of sort of each module and each each subject within the course, it's if you like this. We're, here's our recommended reading. So we've got the book suggestions in there, but we've also got the deep dive. So there's a three-part series which Jason wrote, breaking down some of that, some of that math and some of that complexity out of those out of those things. So we've got that section as well, just to provide a little bit more context, a little bit more. Um, you know, obviously we can't address everything in there, and we're trying to keep it uh, so, sort of clean uh, as well. But we've our, our sort of vision is to provide information and, and collaborations, which we can talk about a prolific little piece that somebody in the team just here wrote and, and sent us to look at. But um, uh, we're, we're welcoming collaborators as well. If you've written and uh, the, the sort of guideline is, is timeless education pieces. We don't want to be, you know, there's, there's already very good resources out there like Bitcoin Magazine for talking about uh, the stuff of today and, you know, news articles and that sort of stuff with things happening in the space right now. We're trying to um, not not attend to that audience. It's more about the timeless pieces uh, and, the, and the timeless education um, so that when we put it on the platform, we don't have to constantly curate it. You know, it's, it's whatever we put up there is going to be relevant today. Right. Should be relevant in 10 years time as well. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I have a million-dollar question here. This is sort of my priority question of the episode, if you will. And it's an area that I think we don't focus on enough on this show. And I think the spirit of Looking Glass and the, the material that's on there, I think, is sort of oriented towards answering this question. 
So there's this elephant in the room for average folks that listen to all these Bitcoin podcasts, read read all these articles, which is investing is insanely complex, right? To be a stock picker, to be a, a value investor is in, is very challenging, requires just to quantify it, maybe tens of hours a week to stay up on this stuff. On the flip side of the spectrum, you've got an active management landscape that's expensive, right? Let's say you're paying one to two and a half percent of your hard-earned capital when it's already hard to get returns, at least risk-free returns. So the, the, the theme I want to get to here is what most people are looking for is an allocation they can make with their hard-earned wages or hard-earned capital that they can for lack of a better term, set and forget. DCA into for, say, 30 years through a career and be okay. Because of the complexity of the investment landscape, because of the precariousness of the macro backdrop, this has gotten increasingly difficult. Here's the question. What assets are investable in today's landscape? We obviously know Bitcoin's going to be one of them. How far does it expand outside of that? And then for the individual that's listening, that's like, what is my 30-year portfolio? What are, are there answers for this person? If so, what are they? Unleash on this question. Cause it's one, I think that's important for our target audience on this show. I'll take a stab at it, Daz. And then, uh, so based on, uh, my experience of managing money over, you know, literally decades, every investor has different, uh, risk return profile you need to understand that there is no one answer for your entire audience. In fact, well, there is one answer and it is the wrong allocation is zero. What is Mm. the right allocation? Well, that will depend on a number of factors, including, uh, so talking about Bitcoin as the preeminent hard asset in the investable universe, the, Allocation to Bitcoin should be in the context of what your total allocation to hard assets is. And that includes hard assets like real estate. It includes hard assets like gold and other precious metals. It also includes stocks of Bitcoin miners. Okay. And you need to uh, understand that there are times when you actually want to be a buyer of Bitcoin mining stocks relative to Bitcoin. And now is one of those times. Because the I'm performance, glad you said that. I was just about to ask you that. The performance of Bitcoin miners has been atrocious relative to Bitcoin. So, you know, Bitcoin is down 50% from its all-time highs. And some of these miners are down 80% and more. When the flip side, some of the miners outperform to the upside because of the beta relative to uh, Bitcoin. So the answer is this. Let's start with a 5% allocation in Bitcoin in the context of a portfolio of hard assets that makes up at least 60% of your portfolio. The hard assets that I mentioned, the, there are softer assets like equities, and then there's really soft assets like bonds. And as you guys know, I'm not a fan of the bond market. Uh, I don't think the returns or the coupon or yield to maturity of the bond market warrants any type of waiting in bonds whatsoever from an investment perspective. That being said, there's guys that try and trade bonds. Raul Paul is out there saying buy bonds again. Look, he's a professional trader. I covered my bonds short recently, but I would never be long bonds right now. So here's what we got. We got 
an investable universe of hard assets, of which Bitcoin is the preeminent hard asset. And if your hard asset portfolio, which has to be at least 60%, then 30% in equities and the other 10%, I would have to say, you know, cash or short-term liquidity in a market that has experienced a drawdown of 25% or more in the NASDAQ, right? As long bonds were also down 10% last quarter. Crazy. It's never happened before in history that the Crazy. NASDAQ has yeah. fallen double digits and long bonds are also down double digits. So bonds may be stabilizing here, but it doesn't make them a good investment because let's run through that math. A 3% yield on a 30-year bond is 5.5% below CPI. So it's a negative 5.5% real return. And that's before the debasement that occurs in the currency that over a 30-year period, you invest $100 in today's dollars. What's it worth? What's the return of principal worth in 30 years? It's got to be worth you know under 50% of parity, right? Or purchasing power. So you get screwed on both ends when you own a bond. You're earning a below market return or yield, and you're also participating in the fiat debasement. So bonds are not in my investment portfolio. I was short them, but I covered. Uh, for people that are not professional traders, I don't recommend shorting things, but you can start by not having an allocation there. So the easiest way to invest in Bitcoin, in my opinion, is to move money out of fixed income and into Bitcoin and into that bucket. And that was the basis of my paper that I wrote over a year ago, and it was timely from a pond market perspective, why every single portfolio, fixed income portfolio needs to own Bitcoin as insurance, right? Okay, of a portfolio that's invested in Bitcoin and Bitcoin derivative equities, let's call it, you have to have at least more than half of your portfolio in Bitcoin, the, the asset, you can have... Hmm. 20% of it in Bitcoin equities or Bitcoin miners. And you can fiddle around with other things like GBTC and discount uh, uh, opportunities where you're buying, a, you're buying a dollar worth of Bitcoin for 70 cents. I sort of like those things, but not your keys, not your coins. Your biggest exposure in the Bitcoin universe today has to be Bitcoin. Then you can move into some miners. All of this is to say, Start by getting an exposure to Bitcoin, DCA. And if you need to pick a bucket to move it out of, it's easiest to move it out of bonds, in my opinion. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but- uh, No, that's great. Yeah. So to, to summarize where you went, and just correct me if I'm wrong. So you said 60% hard assets, 30% equities, 10% cash or equivalents. And you said of, I think you said of your Bitcoin allocation, 80% should be the real deal. The actual stuff. 60 to is that, 80. Is that an accurate? I think, I, I'd 60 say to so. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. And that's that reflects my portfolio. Um, I do have uh, uh, higher than average exposure to private companies. Uh, so, but I do in my, always in my portfolio, I calculate my Bitcoin exposure compared to my total net worth, not just to other liquid assets, not just to uh, traditional uh, assets such as stocks and bonds, it's to your whole portfolio. Greg, should this person rebalance in this scenario when Bitcoin does what we expect it's going to do? You, there's This is your risk management priority. Um, hmm. One of the things that 
is hardest for people to do that Daz and I have orange pilled or anybody is you finally get them up to 5% of their net worth in Bitcoin. And it's like they forget what the other 95% is invested in, right? And they're only focused on this 5% and they're living, they're living each down tick or up tick in Bitcoin as if it's their, you know, their, their life depends on it. We got to zoom out guys. We got to move this to a lower time preference. Let's talk in 20 years type of experience. Yeah. The thing that I will say, the number one rule, and this is one of your questions, the number one rule of investing is change your portfolio as the information changes. So for example, in two, yeah. Bitcoin makes up 40%, 40% of my portfolio. Now, part of that is because I started buying it in 2016 at a lower price and it's appreciated. But the reality is Bitcoin's a better investment today at its current price on a risk return basis than it was in 2016. And very simply, that's because the governments have responded like they did to, to uh, COVID. And the adoption has continued. Lightning Network is out there. Layer 3 solutions are coming in. All of this stuff is so exciting. And that's why you can change mm-hmm. your allocation as the information changes. Fair enough? Absolutely. Greg, do you have, and I know people out there listening to this are thinking this themselves, are there any specific miners that you're a fan of generally? Do you have, what miners do, are you a fan of is what I, I'm asking. I cannot respond to that because we do have relationships with some of them at, uh, at Validus Power, the company that I'm involved with. But I will mm-hmm. tell you, do your research, understand that on a cash flow basis, these are trading at extremely low multiples. When as before they were, you know, there was a unit bias uh, for, retail investors oh why would i buy you know bitcoin at 40,000 when i could buy a stock at two at, at 10 bucks a share right you know that's just the unit bias that people tend to go through um right. i but here's what i will say mining as a standalone business is actually a pretty shitty business because you don't control your input costs which are energy unless you own your power asset and no mm. miners own their power asset And you don't control your output revenue because that's set by the market, right? So hash price right now is at all-time highs, and Bitcoin price is 50% off its highs, which means the profitability of mining is not as attractive as it was previously, and the, the stock price is reflected. So they're risky. They are more risky than owning Bitcoin itself. But as in everything, there's always, you can always have opportunities based on irrational exuberance in both directions to the downside, which we're currently experiencing and to the upside, there will be defaults though in the mining space. And that's where my history comes in as a distressed asset buyer. That's when I get excited. Yep. That is a risk that a lot of people need to digest Mm -hmm. though. Daz, how about your answer to my question about uh, the sort of set and forget it, blue collar, sparky firefighter portfolio, if you will? Yeah, yeah, I'll take a bite of that crumpet. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously not as uh, not as experienced as our main man Foss sitting at the airport there. But um, look, from this is sort of the approach we took with the, the Looking Glass um, Foundation course too. It's it's like all all assets are investable. It just depends on on what part of the cycle you're in and knowing. Knowing where we are as far as the underlying unit of account that we measure everything in, which is you know a, a currency that's getting constantly debased, and it's kind of the um, so at the end of our course we introduce all of these asset classes and we talk about 
you know, we're, we're not trying to shit on any one asset class because, you know, like we said, we're trying to make it timeless. So in 10 years' time, this could this could change, right? So it's all about uh, – it, it is a little bit of a look at, at, at today um, and the effects and the advantages and disadvantages of, of each asset. So I personally, I love the thought of investing in real estate. I don't invest in a – uh, real estate portfolio myself personally I've got my my, my main house and it, and why that is is because we're in my market in Australia we're at all-time highs and it's grossly grossly overvalued in my opinion so it's it's about objectively looking at what what what's on the table what have you got um, what have you got available to you but also just looking at okay so where are you, where are you at the moment as far as those those assets are concerned so equities are another great example. I love investing in stocks. I still have a stock portfolio, but at the moment we're at all-time highs, and it and, and it's really hard to invest in something that you know is trading for multiples of uh, multiples of um, you know their price earnings ratio. Sure. So, i.e., Tesla, right? So, um, insane. Like, sorry, a quick anecdote. I was going to say I want to find it on Twitter because Alfred just sent this tweet. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it was like yeah. it hits home. He said. Tesla was the fifth worst performing stock in the S&P 500, down 8.25% today, alone in 22% over the last five days. Investors are starting to think deeply about the overvalued this, uh, this overvalued stock. And above that, he mentions this stat, which this floored me. Tesla's market cap is $200 billion greater than the next 12 largest automakers combined. It's crazy. If you don't think that, that these valuations are out of whack, I don't know what planet you're living on. I just had to throw that in there because I saw it right before we started. And, you know, people to support that, to say it's about future growth, but I'm like, how, how many cars are you expecting to make, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, it, yeah 12x all of the crazy. other uh, manufacturers, right? Do we expect that? Yeah. I don't know. And and this is where my perception of, for, for the retail investor, we've been told for decades just to buy passively. You won't outperform the market, buy the market, right? And I think this is now can't be true. Um, so, and I'll caveat that for, for, you know, buying an index ETF, right? Uh, S and P 500 ETF, you are guaranteeing you are paying the top tick for all of those stocks. <laughs> um, you know, if, if we, you know, take this recent drawdown out of the equation, we, we, you're basically guaranteeing that you're paying top dollar for Apple, you're paying top dollar for Tesla, you're paying without any, uh, sort of, um, evaluation of the underlying business you know so using those passive vehicles i would argue now is not the best way to go moving forward in saying that there are pockets of these sort of things that that you know so uh commodities etf for example might be an okay allocation right now basic based on the back backdrop of the macro right but what i'm sort of suggesting is there are very I think it's time for most people to start taking a bit more of an active role in their investment portfolio. You can still use passive vehicles, but just do it a little bit more. You need a little bit more forethought and a little bit more research. You need to get a little bit more actively involved in in how you're allocating this. And one of the best ways to do that, in my belief, my humble opinion, is to outsource some of that research to people who are phenomenal at it. And I, Lynn Alden, your uh, recent guest, I mean, she is just freaking brilliant. Her ability, and I trust her implicitly because I, hmm. I know she's not a Bitcoin bull, right? She will tell me if there's an underlying factor in Bitcoin. You know, she is able to take this approach to the whole investing landscape and tell you exactly how it lies. And her newsletter is phenomenally underpriced. It is, I think, from mm-hmm. memory, two hundred dollars 
two hundred US dollars a year. I mean, even if you don't, and she will actually provide portfolio allocations um, for for you to follow, uh, if if you so choose. But more so, just start reading those newsletters and getting, uh, you know, getting getting used to the language. And I think it's it's quite accessible. The way she writes is quite accessible for most people. She might go down a few um, sort of rabbit holes that go over the top of people's head. But if you're exposing yourself to this, um, two newsletters, she does one free one and I think she does one um, for paid subscribers per fortnight with actionable, investable um, outcomes as well as giving you a, a, a backdrop as to the macro landscape and, and where we sit in these cycles. So, for example, she... Um, you know, she'll, she'll put out uh, where we are in the commodity cycle. So is it a good time to be buying commodities? Now, you might not feel comfortable in going and evaluating a, mo- a gold mining stock, for example, but, you know, she has then the optionality to go, well, this is a good way to get exposure, you know, and you can take that with a grain of salt. You can f- go and fo- follow her blindly or you can just take what she says on, on board and then objectively look at it yourself and then decide whether you, you go down that, that route. I just wanted to expand on that, just the difference between passive and active management. This is a return to the active management value add, in my opinion, that Daz was expanding on. Um, uh, uh, an active manager like my friend uh, Lawrence Lepard, uh, who is a gold bug that is moving his hard assets from gold uh, and gold miners, he's just diversifying into the Bitcoin space. Uh, He is changing his portfolio allocation as the information changes, right? So he's a hard money focused asset manager that is changing his allocation as the information changes. Going back to Tesla and, you know, Mike Alfred, I'm a, you know, there's things I agree with what Mike posts and things I don't agree with. But at the end of the day, you know, Tesla has been valued as a technology stock, not as an automobile stock. And that multiple reflects uh, technology multiples, not uh, uh, legacy automobile manufacturers, certainly. One thing to remember, though, is Mike is a value-focused investor versus the traditional growth investors that have, you know, gotten their heads handed to them as growth multiples come down because yields and the base level of interest rates are increasing. When interest rates increase, that drives multiples lower. The ones that get hit are the long duration Tesla tech stocks of the world. And, uh, you know, it is a huge market cap. And as Daz said, when you buy the S&P index, the 25% of that index is made up of the, the top four tech stocks, Google, Apple, etc. So be careful. If you are passively invested right now, now is a time when you are uh, getting the, 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 the downside of growth multiples that are coming down. And Mike, you know, Alfred loves to, he does, he's not a fan of Kathy Wood. Um, I actually am a fan <laughs> of Kathy. Uh, I've known her for a while. We invested in a company together in Montreal. Um, it wasn't her fault that people were throwing money at her style. Uh, that's what money tends to do. It follows past performance, not future performance. And there's something called the, pr- the pressure of money when you're managing it, right? Uh, how do you get more money? Well, you put up good numbers. And when you put up good numbers, you attract more money. And sometimes it becomes self-fulfilling because you have to buy the stocks that have already reached very high multiples. You have to buy more of them as new money comes in. So that's the danger. 
Uh, it's a bit of a game. Um, when the air goes out of the balloon, it feels horrible, and Kathy is uh, not enjoying her past performance uh, these days, but that's part of an efficient market there too. So Daz said, do it yourself. The truth is, I would at any time in history, this is when you pay a professional money manager to manage your risk for you and you get results. Okay. And sometimes people will say, I don't want to pay the 2% annualized uh, uh, fee. Well, there's another expression. You pay them peanuts, you get monkeys, right? You got to pay a fee to get the best asset managers out there. And I would support that uh, at this time in the market, particularly. The Jack Vogel style investing, I think most people, like especially people that are fairly simple into this, they read that it makes a lot of sense. Like Jack Bogle's idea of index investing over a long mm. period of time has been very successful in the last 30 to 40 years. But I, in my, in my mind, I'm, I'm a fan of what you have to say, Daz, which is, and the reason is, is because it's, it's kind of counterintuitive when everybody's on board with a certain idea and a certain plan of action and everybody's moving in that same direction, being counterintuitive is generally the way the market rewards you. And the way I manage my money personally is I, I, I do more active management myself. Probably wouldn't hurt to hire a professional to help me out a little bit, but here and there. But what I'm saying is generally, you don't want to be swimming with all the other fish in the school. And when all the other fish in the school are doing the index passive investing, it may be a time to reflect on that and think to yourself, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the school I want to be swimming in necessarily. This is where knowledge is power. Because we would all agree the number of people that actively manage their portfolio that have no clue what they're doing that end up screwing themselves is it's a large number. It's high. Most people sure. that try to actively management trip them trip themselves up. It's like when you're climbing a mountain, the one priority is not to trip and cascade downhill, right? So a lot of people screw that up. The environment's different than it has been in the past. I hear everything you're saying. I did want to double back to Greg, and I appreciated your comment, Greg, because it is easy to, in a short-sighted manner, Monday morning quarterback Kathy Wood and Ark, let's say. But like we all know that the system is getting increasingly fragile as more artificially artificiality enters the system, and when liquidity enters once again, she could look like a genius in a year and a half. You know what I mean? That this is part of the predicament we're in: is that one second you're an idiot. The next second you're a hero, things are boomeranging, you know, back and forth, wall to wall. It's as, it's it's a more confusing market than it's ever been. And the last thing I wanted to throw in here is I totally hear what you're saying, Josh. And I think at the very least, you need to hedge the move that everybody else is making. If everybody else at your company, your corporation is doing something, doesn't necessarily mean that that's not a viable strategy, but at the at the very least, you should be hedging it to some extent vis-a-vis, in our opinion, Bitcoin. Well, great point, guys. Um, here's one of the reasons that uh, people do a very poor job of uh, managing their own money. Uh, removing emotions from it is very tough. Uh, as a professional asset yeah. manager, you actually have to remove emotions. Uh, one of the trading sins of a, a novice investor is selling your winners, crystallizing gains, and holding on to your losers, when in fact, it's the reverse that you have to do. It's the sale of your losers that will out will cause your uh, will allow you to live another day and outperform a benchmark. Um, but bigger picture, and this is important for people that uh, that manage their own money in this environment. Um, 
we're talking about a Fed that's raised rates twice and stocks are down 20%. And on the table, they want to raise another seven times. And that doesn't, even include, that doesn't even include the quantitative tightening that they're going to remove that equates to another four interest rate hikes. So there is, in the eyes of the Fed, 11 interest rate hikes on the table. And so far, they've done two. And the Nasdaq's down 25%, right? Close to 30%. S&P just touched bear, bear market territory themselves. So this is... There's an expression in the money management business called adult swim. This is adult swim time. This is where you have to know what is going on in the credit markets before you invest in the equity markets. And most people don't have that information. They don't know where the bonds of a company are trading, even though they're buying the equity of that same company. That is absolutely sinful. That's why you need professional asset management, especially in this type of market. Yeah. Adult swim. This is Foss in a Speedo, couple nipple rings headed for the deep end, folks. Jumping. Big, big cannonball. Greg, I so I had a question written down that I wanted to get to, and this is a perfect parlay into it. And I know this is a, a huge simplification of all of this, and I just want to hear if maybe you can come up with a couple of like obvious indicators for people like People that don't understand, I mean, there's a million things in the credit market. Dan and I have been trying to dive into this deeper, but it still eludes us, I'd say, to some extent. If you had to have like two to three major obvious, like this is a flashing red light in the credit markets, the yield curve, number one, spreads. Like what are what are huge indicators that like this thing is about to fucking come off the rails? Repo seizing up. Exactly. Off. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that reminds me, Daz, we have to put together that dashboard that we were talking about, right? Because that dashboard is going to be, it's going to include some of these very important uh, uh, components. But for my history, it's yield spreads or credit spreads are the most important. Uh, you start with the high yield market, you move down to the, when I say move down, you move up in credit quality, down in risk to the investment mm -hmm. grade market. Uh, you look at sovereign credit spreads because there's contagion in all of the, uh, in all of the credit markets. All of these are widely available numbers that I'm certain most people don't even understand, but, uh, it starts with the fact that there's been huge outflows of high yield bond funds. Uh, those outflows cause prices to go down, which means yields are going higher. And they're going higher faster than the government yield is going, the, the benchmark right. yield. So that causes spreads to increase. Most people have no clue what that means, except remember, there's hedge funds out there that will buy the bonds at cheaper prices and short the equity because the equity is a subordinate claim. And yep. the poor equity guys are getting run over by sophisticated hedge fund guys who are using a subordinate claim in the capital structure to hedge their bond risk. That's why I say adult swim. That's why I say there is very, very huge arbitrage opportunity. That's what I used to do for 30 years uh, when markets get volatile like they are. The most important thing to, and I think we hit on this, I don't think the Fed can possibly keep up this interest rate jawboning, okay? I think things break. Uh, the biggest, I don't look at the yield curve or much information right now because it's so manipulated. 
What I do look at is things like liquidity, things like the VIX, the equity annualized VIX. When the vol or the VIX is over 25% annualized, markets are shut. New issue markets are shut, which means access to capital is shut. Access to growth capital is shut. So follow the VIX, anything over 25% annualized, the Fed has a big problem because volatility is restricting access to new capital. This this is something, so what you just went through right there, if you guys are working on a module for this, I am very interested. I want to, I want to understand this in a much more fundamental way. This, this, and I think this is honestly like the most important, this is the elephant in the room for everyone listening. Like if you understand some of these metrics and you understand where to find this information, this is how you don't drown in the deep end and during the adult swim right here. Well, and by the way, this is a full-time job. You you don't do this after eight o'clock at night uh, when you return from your full time job. This is why I say yeah, you that's, pay that's the hookers somebody. and cocaine time. Yeah, yeah, well, you pay somebody to do it, right? You pay somebody right. to do this on a daily basis to move as the information changes. Um, we, yeah, look, at the end of the day, we are in a very dangerous situation as far as financial markets go right now. We are on the brink of things absolutely seizing up, and. It doesn't seem like Jerome is uh, is is backing down. I think he pays, plays a horrible game of poker myself. But at this point, it seems like he's hell-bent on trying to contain inflation. I think the long-run outcome is, as Luke Groman beautifully points out, they're going to have to back down. And if they do, it's quantitative easing forever. QE infinity, okay? And if it's QE infinity, it's Bitcoin. That being said, it doesn't matter because all paths lead to Bitcoin. Just be disciplined and don't get over your skis in markets like this. Don't take excessive risk. Don't put all your orders in at a, at a price. Scale into trades. Take profits in core positions so that you can keep some powder dry. As a professional trader, I would always trade my core positions. I just wouldn't let the core level get down below a certain percent. But that's how you harvest gains, and that's how you have dry powder for when things sell off in other directions. Um, there will be a price at which Tesla is a buy again, and I'm not a Tesla bull personally, but I have owned Tesla stock in the past. Um, it is not an automobile company, getting back to that, but I'm not going to tell you how to evaluate it. I, again, yeah. would just stress to you guys, look at the other things that are happening in the markets. The NASDAQ has never been down in the same quarter that long bonds have been down, both are down over 10%. That means that the traditional 60-40 portfolio, 60% equities, 40% bonds, is getting shredded. And guess who owns mostly 60-40? Oh, every single pension plan out there. So we're we're in a bit of a mess, you guys. And this is why you have to always manage your risk on the basis that as the information changes, you change your portfolio allocation. Daz, you look like a you look like a hyena staring at a fresh zebra carcass here. Oh no! Look, I was I was just going to say like Foss, Foss, It's a really understated. I mean, all, every investment book you've read for the last forty years have told you um, most active managers underperform the market, right? So we're just conditioned to go and use these passive vehicles to go and do it ourselves. But Foss, just it's just an understated point at the moment. It's like. A two percent active management fee, uh, you know, if you, even if you underperform the market, it, it's what's that two percent buying you? What, like how much um, 
risk and, and, and hedge protection are you actually buying for that? And it's a really understated point because I'm happy to under, underperform the market if I yeah. am protected, you know, and it's it's fully shifted and it's just becoming more and more apparent that that active space, like what Foss is talking about there, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm clued into this as far as a retail investor goes and it goes whoosh, way over my head, you know. Yep. So it is how much time and effort would I have to invest in order to get a 30-year education, you know. Right. It's never going to happen. It's never. I think a lot happen, of people so. think of themselves too like, all right, so I'm going to pay someone 2%. I don't have a problem with that personally, like if it's going to save me, you know, in the short term. But who do I go to? Like, if I'm going to go to exactly. Merrill Lynch, like, is the asshole sitting behind the desk at Merrill Lynch going to have an actual clue into any of this? Is he, he going to be like, you know uh, let's do 70-30. We'll do 70-30 uh, equities and bonds. Like, no, guess what? That's still a shit show. Um, That's a probably probably a really important point, too, because uh, in Australia, it's, it's really quite common to go to a financial advisor, right? But these guys are in their 20s. Um, they've probably done a economics degree or, or something along those lines some of them don't even need that 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 much there's tafe courses you can go and get it accredited to these sort of things it's, and it's like if he doesn't have gray hair you know he's never lived through a high inflationary environment and i would argue the last time it happened we had high interest rates to counteract it so there's nobody in the active space who's really been exposed to the current markets that we're in so you need somebody professional you need somebody who who can who can look at the uh, at the underlying and all the all these figures, all the facts and figures with the volatility and and so forth, to to actually help you navigate through that. And it is it's so hard to find it because if you just go to a normal financial advisor, if they're not telling you to at least look at Bitcoin or gold for that matter in, in these sort of matters uh, in this sort of time frame, then you should just walk it straight out the door, you know. Yeah. And I would also argue if if they're still around, if they're you know if they're still doing that. They either must love it or they're really shit at it because they're still working, right? <laughs> yeah. True. Follow the incentives too. Like the not to to pick on financial advisors because they're much needed. They're going to be needed now and even in a Bitcoinized future. But the system is so insanely financialized. You know what I mean? And we've phrased it as Bitcoin is like a financial decomplexifier. Like the look on the face of a financial advisor when you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to siphon off 30 30 percent of my portfolio into Bitcoin cold storage. Not only is that nation to them and flashes risk, that's also 30% of your portfolio walking out the door. Point I'm making is not that this isn't a fit, but you do need to find the diamond in the rough advisor that understands the macro environment, is willing to admit the challenges that confront us, and that has some grasp of, of what Bitcoin represents. That's or fidelity. Or just the importance right now, of hard assets. That's 100%. right now some, something like a fidelity. Okay, They are one of the top four global asset managers, and they've just produced what I view as a seminal research report on this new asset. Uh, to summarize the title, it's basically there's Bitcoins and then there's shitcoins, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's uh, paraphrasing the title, but you know, you look at their price target uh, by the year 2030, um, and it falls in line with, uh, and by the way, the way they do it is using uh, internet adoption and compare, you know, comparing the adoption of Bitcoin to the adoption of the internet and the adoption of cellular uh, technology. And very clearly, they lay out a price path for Bitcoin that is uh, similar to mine and other uh, fairly bullish Bitcoin players, the thing that traditional asset managers don't understand is the relationship between volatility 
and risk. Uh, they think that something that's volatile is inherently risk. Well, that's not true. Volatility is the price of return. That's Bill Miller's statement. But if you have a non-volatile asset, we know that the returns are generally very low. And that's, you know, it used to be that bonds were your low risk bucket. Uh, that only worked for the last 40 years, as Daz said, because interest rates have been falling for 40 years. Now it's a new paradigm. Anybody who's been in the money management business for less than 40 years, i.e. almost everybody, has never experienced a bear market in bonds like we are seeing right now. So understand that the paradigms change. Understand that a lot of financial advisors out there, uh, they're not who I'm recommending. I'm recommending guys like Lawrence Lepard, right? I'm recommending professional asset managers who have been in the business for over 35, 40 years who understand risk management and that is what they bring to the table. And incidentally, Daz, the reason that the average manager underperforms an index is because an index is actually the performance of all the managers, right? That's what an index is. And so yeah. therefore they underperform because they charge a fee the or a market rather is all the managers in the market. And so that's the mathematics of it. But that does not apply when correlations break, like the correlations that are breaking right now between risk absorbing bonds, where used to be equities, when equity sold off, bond prices would go up and buffer the loss in a portfolio on a price basis. Now they are both going down in price. So negative returns are comp compiling. This is why I suggest everybody read that research report by Fidelity and understand how important this is for the future, not yeah. the next two months, but literally the next 20 to zero years. We'll link that in the show notes for this one. It's good. It's good. We got to ask, uh, what's the connection here? Looking glass in this El Salvador school system initiative. Walk us through what's going on there. So we've uh, been talking with um, my first Bitcoin, which is a, um, a philanthropic little endeavor in El Salvador, helping to spread the good word uh, and and teach uh, everyone from school kids to to anybody who's who who needs to know about it. And uh, we were very very pleased uh, to announce uh, a, a donation on behalf of Looking Glass for the sum of uh, forty thousand dollars to help those endeavors. Um, in El Salvador, and uh, they're going to utilize that. Um, it's my understanding they're going to use uh, some of that donation to secure themselves uh, a facility, um, so uh, uh, a dedicated classroom space. They've been sort of renting spaces and and uh, hosting these um, these sessions wherever they can, and they're just doing some phenomenal work there with with that grassroots level of education about what Bitcoin is because, you know, it was sort of introduced to El Salvador. It's our understanding that the execution of that probably, um, you know, it, it, it was done quickly. So it could have, you know, the education space re re really wasn't up to, um, up to scratch by the time they pulled the trigger and, and announced this. So there's still a lot of um, misunderstanding about Bitcoin. There's a lot of, uh, they don't really know what it is or how it works and, they're just doing great work in, in in helping educate the difference between, you know, Bitcoin asset, Bitcoin payment rails, and what the Bitcoin payment rails can do to El Salvador as far as their remittances and all that sort of thing goes, um, versus Bitcoin the asset. So, how much of this of your 
wealth do you want to hold in this sort of long term? And and just that um, you know working on that education space, which is just so vital in these um, in these in these countries that are onboarding this. So you know, and um, Foss mentioned it just a little bit before as well. So we're going to be involved um, with uh, Madeira. Um, uh, we're in discussions with. Um, uh, some educators in Honduras, uh, just in in ways that we can help with this um, with this platform and this movement uh, to help people realize what this thing is and and how to how to deal with it, right? Because let's can't sugarcoat it; it is volatile. And if you go mm. and ape in your entire net wealth and you rely on that entire net wealth, uh, you know, in these um, slightly less fortunate countries, then you're going to get wiped out and you're going to have a really bad time with it um, if yep. we have a 50% drawdown, you know. So it's it's about getting that grassroots education um, about what this thing is and, and how it best serves those people. Yeah. And this is, yeah. again, back to education. It, it is vitally important for anyone listening. Like, if you're gonna sub, if you're going to go ahead and put 20, 30, 40, 50 percent of your portfolio in Bitcoin, you better be ready for some shit to hit the fan. And why? Either a, you don't look at it. It's all back to the psychology of investing. Either a, just don't look because if you do, you're gonna you're gonna panic and you're gonna sell. Um, but number one, a priori is make sure you're incredibly educated on how this works, what it is, why it matters, and what it means for the future. Because if you're not you're going to shit your pants and you're going to sell at the worst possible time and you're going to get wrecked. And then you're going to, you're going to ape back in when this thing's back at 70 to $80,000 and you're going to end up having half as much Bitcoin as you had. And I can say that with experience, I've done it myself and it's, it, you know, it is what it is. Like you, you just have to look back and say, you know what? I fucked up. I, you know, made the wrong move at the wrong time. Then bring it back to your education to understand your probably your emotions are going to do you you're going to they're going to do you completely wrong you're going to sell at the worst time you're going to buy at the worst time so just dca your way into this thing try to own as much of it as you can reasonably own and let it just let it run just let it go josh and i like to dig into our emotions we'll send each other cute texts on signal and be like what are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly. likely that whatever we're feeling, the opposite course of action is probably the prudent play at that time. Mm -hmm. But cannot emphasize and echo what you two said enough. The, the key to navigating volatility is A, position size, and B, education. And many, many people think they are ready for it, and they're not. You likely entered the Bitcoin space during a bull run. That's yep. the nature of bull runs. How did you hear about it? Because it was hyped. You entered on the way up. Not a bad time to enter because we all know an asset like this can escape to you to the upside in a way that's dramatic. So you needed a seat at the table. But Josh and I are constantly saying at the firehouse, best generational wealth building tool you'll ever lay eyes on, be prepared to lose 80% of your money in the short midterm. And living that is very different than talking about it. It is. Okay. We alluded um, to the to the next course that we're doing. Um, oh, I forgot the second thought. So part one's about Bitcoin fundamentals. Part two is going to be about building your conviction, right? So it's going to be the anti-FUD narratives. So when you hear the mainstream media, you know, shit on it that it uses so much energy, we're going to do a piece about that. And um, you know, that'll be the that'll be the part about. Okay, now now you've so you've you, you thought it interesting with course one, course two, you come to part one where it's it's all about Bitcoin, how you buy it, how you hold it, all that sort of thing. And then part two is now you've got it. Don't shit the bed, you know. <laughs> don't shit the bed. 
truer yeah. words have never been spoken. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is still, you know, it's actually crazy that the value of it has gone up as calculated by credit default swaps and widening credit default swap spreads on sovereign debt has increased the intrinsic value of Bitcoin to over 400,000 US for Bitcoin. And yet the price has gone down. You're supposed to smile and you're supposed to buy it and you're supposed to be happy because it's your insurance policy and the price of insurance just got cheaper. By far the best asymmetric trade opportunity and investment opportunity I've ever seen. And it just got cheaper. Hey, you're supposed to smile. Mm-hmm. I backed the truck up on this bad boy. My retirement uh, account is, uh, is, is richer in Bitcoin now. Because if you can't sleep at night, it means you own too much and you have to actually sell some. Okay. That is the best indicator. The funny thing is though, is the education process. Like I said, and I wasn't sure if this was on recording or what we talked about earlier in the podcast, you get some guy to go in for 5% of their portfolio. It's like they forget what the other 95% of their portfolio is invested in, right? You got to train your mind. You got to try and understand that this is a 20 year opportunity and you lower your time preference. You can take profits, but you never sell your insurance entirely because it's like selling your house and your fire insurance on your house. And there's a forest fire right behind your house. Like you don't do that stuff. Right. So just manage your emotions uh it 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 becomes easier over time but this is part of the process of uh of becoming a full-time bitcoiner Daz, have you ever had a bitcoin night terror <laughs> early in the days i'm sure but um i sleep like a baby honestly i um yeah. I, I i rarely check price anymore and it's like e- easy to say but it's it's the truth i i just don't care i um and i mean that makes it i got to be realistic too that I, I, you know, I've only been in this thing since 2020. So that was my first Bitcoin. I just celebrated my second Bitcoin birthday, right? But I was still lucky in the respect that I got in at a price uh, when I first started buying Bitcoin and I started DCing, DCAing into it really early, right? So my cost basis for, for my major Bitcoin purchases is still really low. So I'm still, I'm still, I gotta be, I gotta be conscious of the fact that there are people who have shit the bed recently. There are people I've recently orange pilled at. 80,000 Australian dollars, you know, and we're sitting at 40,000 Australian dollars. So they're not going to be as sleeping as, as pretty as I am, right? Because I largely am still ahead, but I know where this thing's going. And I know, I know, you know, the, the conviction I have in, in, in this thing is, is not going away. And, you know, I, I look at Bitcoin as my, my savings vehicle and I am not ashamed to admit, you know, Bitcoin maxis are like, never, never sell, never sell, never sell. And I do have that um, I think that optionality will 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 come and evolve over time. But I'm also conscious of the fact that I'm treating it like my savings vehicle. If we have an eighty percent drawdown in the stock market, I'm going to reassess things. I'm going to rebalance because there may be opportunities to to redeploy mm-hmm. that capital. I'm using it like savings. That's exactly what I'm using it for. You know, yeah. just really, really fucking good savings. So exactly. you know that expression, right, boys? Uh, you sleep like a baby. You wake up crying every two hours. Okay. So <laughs> Dax sleeps like a baby. He wakes up crying every two hours. So no, the, the, the truth is, no, I love what you're saying, Daz. And it's about discipline and it's about risk, uh, risk management, of course. But here, here also remember what we're saying here. 
This is an education process for your brain as well, okay? We're talking to people, by and large, that need to get off zero. That's the Mm -hmm. most important thing I can say, okay? Because even if the world moves to a 5% allocation, over all of their assets, you know the price of Bitcoin is over 2 million bucks. Okay. It's that simple. We're not trying to get everybody to go to a hundred percent. It's mathematically impossible for that to happen. Uh, just because, you know, first of all, there's not enough Bitcoin, uh, and other people would say, well, then there's gotta be some value left in equities and there'd be portfolio adjustments and everything. Of course, that is what makes a good risk manager. He sells, takes profits and things that have performed well, looking forward, takes money out of this bucket, moves money to this bucket, treats it as a asset that is a 20-year vehicle, not a 20-minute or 20-day. And, you know, Josh, like everybody is is, uh, playing with your emotions. That is the most important thing to control when you are investing. It's hard to buy something when the price is going down. It's like, oh, well, it's already gone to my price target. I'm going to wait and try and buy it even cheaper. And you know the expression, too smart by half and all these things, right? Just be happy to do it on a disciplined basis and we'll talk in 20 years. That's the best way I can can lay it out for people. Fiat is doomed. That is a mathematical certainty. Average your portfolio amongst hard assets that include gold, real estate, equities, but not soft assets like bonds and do not hold cash for too long a time because it's being debased mathematical certainty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot about sphincter control. You know, it's a Mm. sphincter tone is an important, it's a very (laughs) important thing to have. If you've never felt sick to your stomach, if you've never felt sick to your stomach managing money, then you don't know what it feels like to manage money. It's a horrible business. Okay. I I did it for 30 years. And if if you make money for people, well, they were so smart that they gave you the money to manage. And if you lose money for people, they're like, what an idiot. Why did, you know, I should, I'm such a, it it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your own fault that they gave you money. Uh, They blame you as being the, uh, as being the asset manager, right? So it's a no love game. It's very difficult, but there are people that do it extremely well. And uh, that's a time for professional management. Yeah. It's all about Kegel muscular control. Yeah. Josh, how are we going to pick a title for this episode? We've got like I don't nipple know. rings in the deep end, sphincter, sphincter control. control, don't shit the bed. There's so many good options from this hour and 10 minutes. Luckily, I'm going to have the uh, the ability to make that call, which is going to... Can, we, can, we, get in, can we get an education, okay? Education <laughs> of emotions. <laughs> education of emotions, going back to Daz and, you know... The, the, the translation of our education program into various languages, it's helping the people that need it the most. Like the United States is such a great country, okay? But let's be honest, the countries that need it most are the ones that are going to benefit from the price being held down like a beach ball underwater uh, that they can, the longer they can buy it, the better for those countries. We should be happy for them and the ability to, to, to make the world a more egalitarian uh, landscape. Amen, brother. Can I, um, can I just do two more plugs? So the other things we're, uh, we're working on. So uh, the, other, the other thing that's really um, highlighted to us through some of these conversations with, with these with various countries is the uh, real importance for a base financial literacy course. So we're pretty conscious of the fact that, um, you know, to take our first course, um, uh, you, you're probably 
while it's targeted at wage earners and people who need it the most and we're trying to bring them along that journey, it's also you've got to be kind of interested in the investing side of things uh, in order to, to, to start that process. So we're also conscious of the fact that there's a real base financial literacy um, course which we're going to be working on to the latter half of the year. It's going to be rooted on um, good, solid fundamentals. So uh, just things like get yourself out of debt, any debt that you know, and bad debt, right? So good debt, mm. bad debt, all that education about good debt, bad debt, low cost of capital debt, um, you know, credit cards taboo, get yourself out of debt. What else can you do? Treat yourself like a business. Look at your overheads. Look at everything that's coming out of your bank account. Everyone wants to take money from you. So do you have, you know, five Netflix Stan, you know, you name it, subscriptions. Do you need all those kind of thing? You know, so it's it's about, and and it's and it sounds simple to do, but unless you sit down and you have a framework to build off, sometimes you, you're aware of these things. You know, I shouldn't have five subscriptions to bloody Netflix and so forth. But until it's you sit down in your face and you've got a framework to work off, sometimes you just need that little kickstart to to go and start looking at all these things. Same with like your insurance premiums and your excesses and all this sort of thing and, and your bank accounts. Like is your bank charging you to hold money there? What are they are they charging you for an ATM withdrawal? Are there other alternatives in your jurisdiction right. wherever you are to to seek those sort of things? Because one of the primary things that people need to start learning, we feel, is that you need to increase your cash flow. Once you increase your cash flow, then you're able to deploy it in certain things and you can start to look at that investment landscape. So that's what we're going to be working on latter half of the year. And working um, tangentially to all of that is we're looking at uh, working this content into um, school-based curriculum and um, looking at oh, yeah. how we can deliver that. So it's going to be, for the first course, we're looking at taking that into you know hour-long deliverables um, with the content, some activities and that sort of thing. And that's what Dali is really helping. She, she brings over 20 years' worth of um, tutorial and schooling uh, to the team. So she's helping us break that down into deliverable chunks. And uh, Jason's looking at, um, you know, the, those opportunities for, is there a market there? You know what I mean? Um, and, and how we can dovetail into the schooling system and into certain districts and so forth to see if that, that's a deliverable we can start working on. So guys, so pretty exciting stuff. Love it. I got I to gotta sign out here, but I have one last thing to say. As Daz was going to say it's for the kids okay we're doing this education platform for the kids in el salvador we're already seeing them uh being taken off the streets the kids are going to school they're actually very keen on this the competition is the gangs okay the gangs are trying to pull them in one direction some of the kids are actually attending school and staying in school because they're so excited about this so you know we say when we invest in uh, in this long-term asset, it's for the kids. Well, the education platform is also for the kids, all right? So signing out from Detroit, I'm on my way back to Canada right now. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity, fellas, uh, and the support for this program. I'm just so proud to be part of it. And Daz and Seb and all the boys are crushing it. So thanks to thanks to you guys. And I look forward to talking to you guys in the future, all right? It's been really, really great. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, buddy. Safe travels. Thank Thanks you, for guys. coming, Greg. Good day. See you, buddy. Daz, why don't we close with just a formal handoff to uh, anything else you want to say, and then a formal handoff to Looking Glass and yourself. Sure. And I just want to, now he's gone, we can talk about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, Greg's gone. We're going to talk some shit about yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah. Look, he's just such an instrumental part in what Great we've guy. been able to, to achieve just 
just gives so much advice and so freely giving of his time. It's really underappreciated, I think, just what he's doing for the space as a whole. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, he's on every podcast. That's that's evident. But also just some of the conversations he's having in the background. I mean, he's you, you hit it on the head before, man. He is like number one numero uno networker. Everyone just wants to talk. He's you know, he's just such a legend. Like everyone wants to talk yeah. to him. Everyone wants a piece of foss, you know. So he um has been the main one to sort of pull us all together and get us all going and and his his contribution here is definitely understated. But um, as far as handoffs go, yeah, so uh, the web uh, site you can uh, go to is www.lookingglasseducation.com and uh, we've got a Twitter handle as well, um, which is lookingglass at lookingglassedu. That's at lookingglassedu for education. And we've just um, also put on a, fa- a Facebook profile. It's uh, not a many users yet, but um, we realize there's probably a need to create that um, engagement within the community for people who are taking this course and perhaps have some questions and so forth. So if you take the course, you get a uh, just an invitation to join that Facebook group and you can come along. Can I get a, uh, do I get a certificate or a diploma to put on my wall back here from Looking Glass? We're, like, we're actually, actually going to do it. So, well, we've got, it's a good question, actually. These uh, the, the We've got a quiz it's it's there. It's ready to go. We're just playing with the. It doesn't look real good to go in our in our yeah. uh, uh, you know journey of trying to make this clean and accessible and 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 look really good. The the back end of the the course um, template that we've used the the quiz looks a bit clunky. So we're just working yeah. with the developer at the moment to get the quiz. Once you do your quiz, you can get your little certificate, mate. We need some certs. <laughs> Josh won't pass this thing. I don't know. <laughs> Dance full of shit. I already passed. It's in the mail. <laughs> Yeah. Daz, this was awesome. Thanks for your time. We need to get you back to sleep. We started this thing at what, 4 a.m. your Aussie time? Yeah, that's it. It's 5, 5.20 now. So, no, nah, it's good. I'll uh, have a share and get ready for work. Thanks heaps for having me on, boys. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity for coming on. Good to see you again. Absolutely. And, uh, it was a pleasure. Anytime. It won't be our last. Thanks, Daz. Yeah, that'll be good. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is blue collar Bitcoin podcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB podcast. Thank <laughs> you.